Section fourteen of the Journals of Robert Falcon Scott, Volume one by Robert Falcon Scott. This is a LibriVox recording. Section fourteen, Chapter six, Adventure and Peril, Part two. Sunday, February the twenty sixth, marched on Corner Camp, but the second main party found going very hard, and eventually got off their ski and pulled on foot. James Pig also found the surface bad, so we camped and had lunch after doing three miles. Except for our tent, the camp routine is slack. Shall have to tell people that we're out on business, not picnicking. It was another three miles to depot after lunch. Found signs of Bowers's party, having camped there, and glad to see five pony walls. Left six full weeks' provision, one bag of oats, three-quarters of a bale of fodder, then Cherry Garrard, Crean, and I started for home, leaving the others to bring the pony by slow stages. We covered six and a quarter miles in direct line, then had some tea and marched another eight. We must be less than ten miles from safety camp. Pitched tent at ten p.m., very dark for cooking. Monday, February the 27th. Awoke to find it blowing a howling blizzard, absolutely confined to tent at present, to step outside is to be covered with drift in a minute. We have managed to get our cooking things inside, and have had a meal. Very anxious about the ponies, and wondering where they can be. The return party has had two days, and may have got them into some shelter. But more probably, they were not expecting this blow. I wasn't. The wind is blowing force eight or nine, heavy gusts straining the tent. The temperature is evidently quite low. This is poor luck. Tuesday, February the 28th, safety camp. Packed up at 6 a.m. and marched into safety camp. Found everyone very cold and depressed. Wilson and Mears had had continuous bad weather since we left. Bowers and Oates since their arrival. The blizzard had raged for two days. The animals looked in a sorry condition, but were all alive. The wind blew keen and cold from the east. There could be no advantage in waiting here, and soon all arrangements were made for a general shift to Hut Point. Packing took a long time. The snowfall had been prodigious, and parts of the sledges were three or four feet under drift. About four o'clock the two dog-teams got safely away. Then the pony party prepared to go. As the clothes were stripped from the ponies, the ravages of the blizzard became evident. The animals, without exception, were terribly emaciated and Weary Willie was in a pitiable condition. The plan was for the ponies to follow the dog-tracks, our small party to start last, and get in front of the ponies on the sea-ice. I was very anxious about the sea-ice passage, owing to the spread of the water-holes. The ponies started, but Weary Willie, tethered last without a load, immediately fell down. We tried to get him up, and he made efforts, but was too exhausted. Then we rapidly reorganised. Cherry Garrard and Crean went on, whilst Oates and Gran stayed with me. We made desperate efforts to save the poor creature, got him up once more on his legs, and gave him a hot oat mash. Then, after a wait of an hour, Oates led him off, and we packed the sledge, and followed on ski. Five hundred yards away from the camp, the poor creature fell again, and I felt it was the last effort. We camped, built a snow wall round him, and did all we possibly could to get him on his feet, Every effort was fruitless, though the poor thing made pitiful struggles. 
Towards midnight we propped him up as comfortably as we could and went to bed. Wednesday, March the 1st, a.m. Our pony died in the night. It is hard to have got him back so far only for this. It is clear that these blizzards are terrible for the poor animals. Their coats are not good, but even with the best of coats it is certain they would lose condition badly if caught in one, and we cannot afford to lose condition at the beginning of a journey. It makes a late start necessary for next year. Well, we have done our best and bought our experience at a heavy cost. Now every effort must be bent on saving the remaining animals, and it will be good luck if we get four back to Cape Evans, or even three. Jimmy Pig may have fared badly. Bowers's big pony is in a bad way after the frightful blizzard. I cannot remember such a bad storm in February or March. The temperature was minus seven degrees. Bowers incident. I note the events of the night of March the 1st, while they are yet fresh in my memory. Thursday, March the 2nd, a.m. The events of the past forty-eight hours bid fair to wreck the expedition, and the only one comfort is the miraculous avoidance of loss of life. We turned out early yesterday, Oates, Gran, and I, after the dismal night of our pony's death, and pulled towards the forage depot on ski. As we approached, the sky looked black and lowering, and mirage effects of huge broken flows loomed out ahead. At first I thought it one of the strange optical illusions common in this region, but as we neared the depot, all doubt was dispelled. The sea was full of broken pieces of barrier edge. My thoughts flew to the ponies and dogs, and fearful anxieties assailed my mind. We turned to follow the sea edge, and suddenly discovered a working crack. We dashed over this, and slackened pace again, after a quarter of a mile. Then again cracks appeared ahead, and we increased pace as much as possible, not slackening again till we were in line between the safety camp and Castle Rock. Meanwhile my first thought was to warn Evans. We set up camp, and Gran went to the depot with a note as Oates and I disconsolately thought out the situation. I thought to myself that if either party had reached safety either on the barrier or at Hut Point, they would immediately have sent a warning messenger to safety camp. By this time the messenger should have been with us. Some half-hour passed, and suddenly, with a thank God, I made certain that two specks in the direction of Pram Point were human beings. I hastened towards them, and found they were Wilson and Mears, who had led the homeward way with the dog-teams. They were astonished to see me. They said they feared the ponies were adrift on the sea ice. They had seen them with glasses from Observation Hill. They thought I was with them. They had hastened out without breakfast. We made them cocoa and discussed the gloomiest situation. Just after cocoa, Wilson discovered a figure making rapidly for the depot from the west. Gran was sent off again to intercept. It proved to be Crean. He was exhausted and a little incoherent. The ponies had camped at 2.30 a.m. on the sea ice, well beyond the seal crack, on the previous night. In the middle of the night. Friday, March the 3rd. A.M. I was interrupted when writing yesterday, and continue my story this morning. In the middle of the night, at 4.30, Bowers got out of the tent, and discovered the ice had broken all round him. A crack ran under the picketing line, and one pony had disappeared. They had packed with great haste, and commenced jumping the ponies from flow to flow, then dragging the loads over after. The three men must have worked splendidly and fearlessly. 
At length they had worked their way to heavier flows lying near the barrier edge, and at one time thought they could get up, but soon discovered that there were gaps everywhere off the high barrier face. In this dilemma, Crean volunteering was sent off to try and reach me. The sea was like a cauldron at the time of the break-up, and killer whales were putting their heads up on all sides. Luckily they did not frighten the ponies. He travelled a great distance over the sea-ice, leaping from flow to flow, and at last found a thick flow from which, with help of ski-stick, he could climb the barrier face. It was a desperate venture, but luckily successful. As soon as I had digested Crean's news, I sent Gran back to Hut Point with Wilson and Mears, and started with my sledge, Crean and Oates, for the scene of the mishap. We stopped at safety camp to load some provisions and oil, and then, marching carefully round, approached the ice edge. To my joy I caught sight of the lost party. We got our alpine rope, and with its help dragged the two men to the surface. I pitched camp at a safe distance from the edge, and then we all started salvage work. The ice had ceased to drift, and lay close and quiet against the barrier edge. We got the men at 5.30 p.m., and all the sledges and effects on to the barrier by 4 a.m. As we were getting up the last loads, the ice showed signs of drifting off, and we saw it was hopeless to try and move the ponies. The three poor beasts had to be left on their flow for the moment, well fed. None of our party had had sleep the previous night, and were all dog-tired. We decided we must rest, but turned everyone out at 8.30 yesterday morning. Before breakfast we discovered the ponies had drifted away. We had tried to anchor their flow with the alpine rope, but the anchors had drawn. It was a sad moment. At breakfast we decided to pack and follow the barrier edge. This was the position when I last wrote, but the interruption came when Bowers, who had taken the binoculars, announced that he could see the ponies about a mile to the northwest. We packed and went on at once. We found it easy enough to get down to the poor animals, and decided to rush them for a last chance of life. Then there was an unfortunate mistake. I went along the barrier edge and discovered what I thought and what proved to be a practicable way to land a pony, but the others, meanwhile, a little overwrought, tried to leap punch across a gap. The poor beast fell in. Eventually we had to kill him. It was awful. I recalled all hands and pointed out my road. Bowers and Oates went out on it with a sledge and worked their way to the remaining ponies, and started back with them on the same track. Meanwhile Cherry and I dug a road at the barrier edge. We saved one pony. For a time I thought we should get both. But Bowers's poor animal slipped at a jump and plunged into the water. We dragged him out on some brash ice, killer whales all about us in an intense state of excitement. The poor animal couldn't rise, and the only merciful thing was to kill it. These incidents were too terrible. At 5 p.m. we sadly broke our temporary camp, and marched back to the one we had first pitched. Even here it seemed unsafe, so I walked nearly two miles to discover cracks. I could find none, and we turned in about midnight. So here we are, ready to start our sad journey to Hut Point. Everything out of joint with the loss of the ponies, but mercifully with all the party alive and well. Saturday, March the 4th, a.m. We had a terrible pull at the start yesterday, taking four hours to cover some three miles to march on the line between safety camp and fodder depot. 
From there Bowers went to safety camp, and found my notes to Evans had been taken. We dragged on after lunch to the place where my tent had been pitched, when Wilson first met me, and where we had left our ski and other loads. All these had gone. We found sledge tracks leading in towards the land, and at length marks of a pony's hoofs. We followed these, and some ski tracks, right into the land, coming at length to the highest of the Pram Point ridges. I decided to camp here, and as we unpacked I saw four figures approaching. They proved to be Evans and his party. They had ascended towards Castle Rock on Friday, and found a good campsite on the top of the ridge. They were in good condition. It was a relief to hear they had found a good road up. They went back to their camp later, dragging one of our sledges and a light load. Atkinson is to go to Hut Point this morning to tell Wilson about us. The rest ought to meet us and help us up the hill. Just off to march up the hill, hoping to avoid trouble with the pony. Sunday, March the 5th, A.M. Marched up the hill to Evans's camp, under Castle Rock. Evans's party came to meet us and helped us up, with the loads. It was a steep, stiff pull. The pony was led up by oats. As we camped for lunch, Atkinson and Gran appeared, the former having been to Hut Point to carry news of the relief. I sent Gran on to safety camp to fetch some sugar and chocolate, left Evans, Oates and Kean in camp, and marched on with remaining six to Hut Point. It was calm at Evans's camp, but blowing hard on the hill, and harder at Hut Point. Found the hut in comparative order, and slept there. End of chapter 6, part 2